Hello and welcome to episode six of the Instant Junk podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Jill. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing the latest Nicolas Cage movie, Mandy. And we'll also be checking out the Netflix original, The Titan. And we'll be going back to 1981 to look at Nighthawk, starring Sylvester Sloan, Billy D. Williams and Rutger Hauer. Jovan Warrior sent forth from the eye of the storm. Our cinema release this episode is Mandy, directed by Panos Kosmatos, starring Nicolas Cage. Set in 1983, Red and Mandy are a couple living the quiet and reclusive life in the woods until a cult moves in and changes everything. So, so have you absorbed this film yet? Just about. Just about. It was, um, it was an experience. It's a trip, I think, is the, the correct term. <laughs> it's definitely a trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, there's so much, yet so little to talk about. Well, can I just say I still can't get over the fact that Linus... Linus, yes. Yes! <laughs> Linus Roche is Ken Barlow's son in real life. I would never have noticed until you told me that, and now there's certain images from the film that have bored <laughs> their way into my mind, and never to be removed. So thanks for letting me know who his dad is. <laughs> oh, imagine what it was like for me. It's like, you're Ken Barlow's kid, you dirty bugger. Well, he's definitely distanced himself away from being the kid of Ken Barlow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I guess we start with Red, who is Nicolas Cage, Red. This was the whole reason why we watched the film. We're a bit kind of in awe of all things Cage. Yeah. I think that's the understatement of the century. Yeah, it's been a long it's been a long journey for me and my <laughs> personal journey with Nicolas Cage, starting with Rage. Oh yeah. And now I'm just a Nicolas Cage. But this film starts with a very subdued Nicolas Cage with beard. With beard. He, uh, and he new does hair. have a magnificent beard in this. Not quite Santa Claus, not quite big or bushy, but as far as Cage is concerned, it's just yeah. magnificent. He's kind of channeling his inner Wolverine in Wolverine. Yeah. That that scene where he goes and he becomes a logger. Yeah. It's kind of like that because he is a logger in this film. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. And he's called Red and there's a lot of red oh, in God. this film. So much ambient colour mm. in this film. So essentially off the cuff we can say that this film is one massive LSD trip. Yes. Do it's... not take any substances before watching this film. No. There were just times it's like I did not understand what the hell was going on in the film. I don't think the actual <laughs> director knew. He... I reckon he just had a dartboard with right, what way is this film going to go now? <laughs> ah, great, you're going to do that. Because there was a base kind of story to it, which is a man and a woman who are in love get put in a really shitty situation. Something bad happens to woman. <laughs> Something really bad happens to woman. Man seeks revenge. No, no, no. Nick Cage seeks revenge. He becomes Nick Cage at this point in all these wide-eyed... Oh, God, yeah. There's like a whole scene of transformation. Oh, it's like he becomes the cage beast. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. If if there is no YouTube video of that, there will be. Oh yes. <laughs> but Red and Mandy. So Mandy is this kind of cracked out artist, isn't she? Yeah. Sort of dealing in the world of heavy metal artistry. Yeah. Let's let's just be honest about this. It wasn't so much heavily influenced as there's only a couple of frames away from heavy metal. When this it is comes like a live art. action. Yeah. Yeah, it is very... It's, even the artwork is very, it's not even alike to heavy metal. It is exactly heavy metal style of animation. Yeah, I kept expecting to hear that music just sort of dun, 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 dun and coming over in the... titties. <laughs> so much titties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's this. Well, she's an artist and she's a cashier. Yeah, and they kind of live in this wooden glass well, they live, shack. Well, place where they live is called Shadow Mountain, which is a real place. It's a real place in California. Oh, yeah, I looked that up because I was like Shadow Mountain, bugger <laughs> off. Because uh, they live next to Crystal Lake, so you know you have to be like really you're scraping the barrel. But no, these mm. places are real. When you meet these two, they live a very simple life. She's doing her art, he's doing his login. They live in like this weird kind of shack with perspex bits that they can look out into the night while they sleep. And they have kind of really deep and meaningful conversations where yeah. you kind of learn that they're both a little bit fucked up. Yeah, and then we. 
come to it's a film of it's divided into three you've got the beginning bit where we just slowly learning about these people a little too slowly but we're learning about them yeah and then you've got the second act it's like a chapter and act isn't it because each bit's named yes i can't remember what the names are they were some fucked up names but it was all different fonts as well yeah but they were all based on i think bits of that book she was reading by uh tor yeah except the final scene which was her name in that absolutely irritatingly grotesque metal black metal vine yes bloody font because it was called mandy so yeah. the film's about her yeah two minutes uh, two minutes two hours long and the first hour i think is about two or three of these weird little chapters establishing chapters where nicholas cage is not really in it and it's mostly her yeah and linus who is this cult leader. Yes. And then it goes into the last sort of 50 minutes, which is full-on hardcore cage rage. Yeah. Like, full-on cage rage. Oh, yeah. It's the second act where we get Jeremiah, who's played by Linus. Linus. And he is literally just a really horrible, whiny-ass person. He's a. <laughs> we find out that he's a failed folk musician. There's no such thing. I refuse to believe that anyone cannot be a folk musician surely you just need a nice he wasn't because he failed he was awful oh god but but he did have a brilliant robe his ming the merciless white robe oh god that robe is magnificent shame what was underneath the robe wasn't so much i mean we're not shaming him we're not shaming him it's just we didn't need to see certain things uh yeah there's full frontal i mean mandy laughed as much as we laughed so (laughs) we were all mandy we were all Mandy. And it, again, it's not because he was nude. It's because of his shitty music. And then because he was also nude to the shitty music. <laughs> Look, this is going to be full of spoilers. I'm not going to lie right now. But he starts jerking it at one point, And I've seen his jerk face. And I didn't need to see his jerk You've face. You've seen his confused jerk face where he's trying to jerk it. And someone's too busy laughing at him. <laughs> it's like he can see us laughing at him. And he's going, stop laughing, shut up. Stop looking at me. And you're laughing even more. And (laughs) it kind of, at that point, you kind of think, are you talking to me now? Am I high? Am I? Am I? Yeah, you do come away from this film going, did that fucking happen? Because there was certain bits. It's like, mate, did that actually happen? Yeah, Sam, that happened. Oh, okay. It was just very, there's not a lot going on. No, and there's not a lot of script except for whatever jeremiah has to say besides yeah, he that, was the talker of the film everyone which... else just kind of stared into ambivalence like looking at you can i just say that he's like his cult is the shittiest cult i have ever seen in my life they've it's... only had like four members i was gonna say and he sacrificed one of them so he, yeah because he was a bit tubby which... yes yeah. Well, he did sacrifice them to cannibals, so, you know, it's a good meal. Yeah, there was a lot to go around. He sacrificed them to Slipknot, essentially. (laughs) Oh, God. In order to get Mandy, they had to kidnap her because, seriously, if you saw this cult, you would go with them. They were the worst partridge family ever. Yeah, they just all looked like they'd came from the same womb, essentially. Yeah, I, I thought one was inbred. Not inbred. Yeah, I thought she meant inbred the television series. I was very confused. Gotta get out, gotta get out. <laughs> <sighs> God, fuck. Sorry. Um, but no, they go meet a gang called, is it the... Um, oh, it's the Black Skulls. Black or Skulls. And at first I thought one of them was dressed up in like pointy twiglets or knickknacks. But then we just kind of came to the conclusion that they were a really bad Slipknot tribute act. Mushroom head, maybe. stoking the fire Uh, but it was kind of like that it was just like what's that guy wearing and then one of them was unnecessarily slimy which yeah that was lube oh I like to think it was ectoplasm it was lube it must have been lube it was lube we later find out one of them has got a knife dick as well yeah a very long one which, considering how the cult, small the cult leader's one was, he probably had a size issue too. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to have a knife dick, I'd want to make it as big as I could. Yeah. I mean, there were certain elements, like, when you put together that, oh, hang on a minute, there was a dead couple and there's a guy bent over with blood all over. Oh, yeah. Oh, that took me by surprise, because I didn't, it didn't cotton on until about halfway through the scene. I was like, oh, that's a shit. Oh, oh, I know how now. Yeah. <laughs> Like, there are bad ways to go, and then there's that way to go. But essentially, everyone in this film is on a massive LSD trip. Yes. 
that's the crux of the entire film is everyone is off their absolute mush yeah on lsd i mean he even comes across a guy who's making lsd i don't even know who or how he got to that guy with the the fucking tiger there's a fucking tiger yeah there's a there and then is. this guy is just like oh it's you and at no point does nicholas cage speak but this guy's having a full-on conversation with him because he's yeah. cracked out almost as if it's telepathically that they're linked but actually it's just the drugs because there is a bit where Nick Cage does super LSD. Oh, God, that was the only bit that made me jump in the whole film yeah. was when he had a mind explosion. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's when he became Nick Cage. It's like the rebirth. Oh, no, don't forget they had the initial Nick Cage rebirth with the vodka. Yeah, basically, the we only scene. got Nick Cage when he drank or took something, which... Yeah, I don't know what that says about him in real life. You know what? I reckon he like reads Nietzsche in his spare time in a big armchair. With a brandy. Very, very, very small-eyed. Well, he had very, very big eyes. <gasps> Jesus. You were freaked out by those LSD eyes that he suddenly got. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, like, in anime, when they like something, their eyes go, bing! Yeah. That was him for the entire last third of the film. He's like, bing! I honestly hope they gave him something. So do I, because I don't like the thought of that being normal. No. <laughs> no. There's just... We could go on about like the film in order, but you can't. You, you like we can't describe this film because we then we you... still don't know if it actually happened. No, but then you wouldn't enjoy it if we fully told you about this film. I think some of the other films we've told you about, yeah, you it's... could still watch it and mm. get it. But this, you would lose the film. I think. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we've only like barely brushed past some of the shit that's happened in that film but mm. it's not only what happens in the film it's the actual fucking visuals themselves it's they, very visual heavy it's and sounds as well it's mm. it's you need to have it loud you need you do need the right kind of atmosphere you need a quiet room dark room yeah so cinema or if you're going to watch this at home just maybe even invest in some good headphones because the sounds are definitely what makes it as well. Yeah, Johan Johansson did a good job before he passed. Yeah. Thank you, Johan. It is a visual treat. Mm. You don't know what you've watched and that's so fucking good. I mean, literally when this comes out, I'm going to go watch it. I'm gonna you get have it. to watch it again just to see what the fuck it was you watched. I, I still don't know if I hallucinated. <laughs> there was times at the beginning of the film where, because there was nothing going on, you were just staring. Yeah. And then they're staring back at you and you're staring back at them. And you're just thinking, What's I have happening? to admit, on the first third, I thought I've been fucking ripped off, mate. I thought this was meant to be a fucking <laughs> full on cage fest. What the fuck? And then... They make you work for it. They make you work yes. for the Cage Fest. Um, this is one of Nick Cage's best films. I, I think this is Nick Cage's hobo for shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, 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 Even though I don't know what the fuck happens in the film, I'm still not 100% sure what happened, which is another reason why we can't spoil it, because we're not sure if what no. we think happened. No, and if we tell you what we think happened, then it will spoil whatever you think might be happening. Yeah. So you have to go and watch it yeah. and tell us yeah. what you think happened, <laughs> and then maybe we'll have a discussion on Twitter about it. Yes. Because... We still have no fucking clue what happened in this fucking film. I mean, there's things where I had to read about some of the things that happened because I didn't really understand it. Or believe that it happened. No. But they had the best church I've ever seen. Definitely want that church in my life. Yeah. It was like a pyramid church made oh, of yeah. wood. Yeah, because all good churches should be made of wood. I honestly wanted ghosts to come out of that church, <laughs> like... But it is a very, it is a music video. There's no... Yeah. It's like watching a really, really long music video. Yeah. It's got a bit King Crimson. Mm. But I, I honestly would have pipped it as like, I guess at the beginning, maybe I was kept saying it's going to be a rushed music video. Yeah. But then in the end, it just turned into just fucking chaos. Yes. I don't even know what band I would say it would be a music mm. video for. Mastodon. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And I'm still trying to work out if it's a humorous film or not. There was some humorous bits, apart from for the old people. But this is it. Is it humorous bits because it's humorous? Or humorous bits because it's fucking with us? Or we're sick bitches. Or we're sick bitches. Well, I know what the answer to that is. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's... I've said it before, it's a visual treat. I mean, mm. you literally get drowned in colours and the cinematography creates a great atmosphere. Yeah. That cannot... We cannot stress that enough. 
and the sounds as well. You kind of get all of your senses battered. Yeah, you definitely need everything in one go. Yes. If you if you do choose to get this on DVD, you definitely need to make sure you invest in some good sound system. Yeah. You can't or just have a good telly. Play it loud. Oh yeah. Turn it up to eleven. <laughs> it's 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 a treat. It really is. It's and stick with it as well. You'll be watching it and you'll be thinking, Oh Christ. Yeah. The fuck is this? And then it just kicks in. You go, oh, okay, okay, the drugs have kicked in now. (laughs) Yeah, drugs have kicked in now. I understand what's going on. Yeah. And like I said, you'll forever see him as Ken Barlow's kid, that cult leader. Oh, gosh. Phil Fronto. Phil Fronto? Frontal Barlow. (laughs) There we go. I can say the words. Yeah. And you do get to see a bit of Nick Cage's sack, even if it is covered. As well. Oh, I've got those put it tidy whiteies. He was wearing, well, it was the 80s, wasn't it? So yeah. he was wearing time appropriate pants. <laughs> y fronts. He's got very strong legs, Nicolas Cage does. Very yeah. strong we legs. We all know what bit she was concentrating on. You couldn't not look at it. It's like a little. I was looking at him drinking vodka, mate. I was looking at that, but then every time you just see he's wearing a black t shirt with these orange arms and a little tiger mm-hmm. on the front. And then it's just this little white bulge bulge just poking out the bottom. You're like, <laughs> what's that? Oh, not that's again. His, that's his Easter basket. And then he sits down and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Put some trousers on. <laughs> it's Pete Cage. It is Pete Cage. It's, he does some normal Pete Cage moves as well. He, I mean, this is the thing. We all kind of joke that Cage at his best is the manic Cage. Yeah. Because it's true. But in, in this film, he he kind of goes through the entire kind of catalogue of emotions. His emotions, the emotions that he can do. Yeah. Which is silence and rage and yeah. slight confusion. Mm. That's three yeah. emotions. I don't even think silence is an emotion, but it is for Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So I think definitely go see this film. See it, buy yeah. it, wear it. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs in general, but definitely do not do drugs or drink alcohol before watching this. No. You know, keep it safe, people. Keep it safe. (laughs) And on that note... (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, people, our cinema review for episode seven is going to be Overlord, starring Wyatt Russell. I never thought I'd see something like this. That's their oxygenation. 4%. Vitals are strong. This episode, the Netflix original film is The Titan, directed by Lennox Ruff, starring Sam Worthington and Taylor Schilling. In the near future, Earth is overpopulated and Saturn's moon Titan is the only hope for the future of humanity. Isn't it always? Uh, so this... This thing is another thing about <laughs> science. This this whole film should just be called The Science. <laughs> the Science. This is just The Science. There's nothing more to this film except science. Ugh. It's bollocks. That's what this film is. It's, it's absolute trash. It's, it's, I mean, I don't think we've ever been so harsh about a film, but we should have known better because Sam Worthington is in it. And Sam, if you ever listen to us... Stop it! Exactly. Just, I don't even know what I can suggest for you to do with your your acting career. But science, science and films about science is not for you. Right. Try period drama. Yeah. But in this film, Sam Worthington plays yet another army human who has had a shit time... And has been called upon to do some science. So he is a Syrian war pilot, war pilot hero who managed to survive three days in the desert by himself. Whoop to fucking day. Yeah, I mean, good for you. He didn't save anyone, though. And because of his extraordinary ability to survive... For three days. For three days alone in the desert, he has been asked to participate in some science. His wife, Taylor Schilling, who is doctor of science, (laughs) has said that he can do this. So he basically puts himself into this programme that, is just testing, I guess, on humans. Yeah. Because Earth is in such a, a shit position that 
the only place that they think we can go and live is Saturn's Moon Titan, which is a watery, methane nitrogen-y place of doom. Yeah. And in order for us to live there, we have to evolve. Yeah. So the experiment is an experiment in evolution. Yeah. Basically, this film, I can sum it up in just a few fucking words, apart <laughs> from its bollocks. <laughs> it's, we fucked up the Earth. We need to go move somewhere else. In order to do this, we need to fuck with you. That is it. Yeah. So, of course, scientists fuck with people. Some people die. Some people don't. They change. Not entirely for the best. Fucking chaos ensues. That is it. Yeah, there's there's nothing more to it. This film... So, if we... Let's just try and be kind a little bit. No. <laughs> there's not much talking. So, it really relies on the acting ability of both Schilling and Worthington on... I don't know what they thought they were doing. Looking, the house moving. was nice. That's what I can say. The I house didn't, was I nice. I did not enjoy the house. There's too many windows, which we learn is for throwing people through mostly. Yeah, too many windows for throwing people through, and they just. But that's why it's a nice house. <laughs> it's true, and they're just like they're a married couple with the son, and I mean. There was no chemistry. I didn't think that they really gave a shit about each other. No. And the whole film is based on this relationship pretty much. You have about five or six other people who are also taking part. Some of them have their partners with them. Some of them don't. And it's kind of veers on how the relationships with those partners end up going. But it's it's just so surface level, this film. It tries to have a deeper meaning and it really, really does not achieve But it's not even the fact that it doesn't achieve any kind of emotional attachment to any character. The fact that they're all fucking paper thin or the fact that it's a plot that has been done a thousand times and a thousand times better. I mean, we've done a lot of over the last few episodes of watching people. Well, no, people being upgraded, you know, people having implants or people having symbiotes inside them and upgrading themselves and this film is another oh let's upgrade another human so it kind of has been fitting in with what we've been watching but it's just so drab i wouldn't even say it's upgrading it's evolving i suppose you're right and it's evolving and this is a little bit of a ruiner and i don't really give a fuck it's evolving using animal dna because if you don't work that out pretty fucking quickly maybe this film is for you i mean this is the thing i mean sorry this is only just coming to my head now so please (laughs) forgive me on this one you're gonna hear the uh, hamsters going around in the head right it's meant to be they're evolving humans but what they're doing is they're making humans into another species so it's not human evolution it's it's... hybrids yeah Mm mm-hmm so all this crap about we need to fucking upgrade ourselves, we all need to fucking evolve, it's bollocks. What they're doing is just some weird fucking mutations. Well, it's mutating humans into whatever the fuck. They don't really know what they're going to end up as. Yeah. But half of them don't live anyway. Yeah. So... I mean, the, this film is just... Oh, I'd rather have a hot sauce enema than watch this film again. Seriously. You will not need to watch this film again. Do not Good. worry. But it's just like there's one bit in this film that really fucking boiled my piss to the <laughs> to the point where I wanted to throw the remote through my telly. They're all in this educational room where this guy is talking about, you know, how fucked the earth is and introducing the Titan program. And there's I have been delightfully <laughs> informed that it was Spanish and not the German guy because, you know, I can tell the difference. The guy has basically looked through the booklet about the Titan and he's obviously got a bit of science knowledge, but maybe not as much as the supposed people who are meant to have science knowledge. Mm. And he, he's literally just turned around and said, this is a health and safety fucking manual. This this doesn't look good. And Sam Worthington being, I survived three days in the desert. It's like, shut the fuck up. Do you have kids? Where are and you're like why don't you shut the fuck up this guy's got genuine fucking concerns yeah oh it's i wanted to smash sam Worthington's face in i mean this film you just want to do it the whole time there's just so many bits where stupidity reigned it's just like i don't even know where to start i mean there's no point in us describing the film bit by bit because I it think was it would, all bollocks it's all bollocks i think it only proved to wind us up even more than the films already fucking wound us up but there's bits where during the transitions the transitions take a while depending on who it is some of them transition more than quickly than others and there's a bit where like his skin's coming off and i'm like 
that doesn't even that looks like a bit of fabric. Yeah. You can't even get your fucking like makeup right. You're doing my nut. Yeah. To the bit where so she wakes up in the middle of the night because she's fucking freezing. And because of his transition, he is really hot, so he's trying to cool the house. So then she turns the heat up. And then I'm thinking, right? And then she goes in, he's like, Oh, I'm I'm burning up. And I'm thinking, Well, you need to turn the fucking heat back down for him, don't you? Well, literally run him that ice bath you've been talking about yeah like how does he acclimatize he must be consistently running hot for the rest of the duration of the film yeah and then he goes and gets his eyes done and i was expecting something that didn't look like his eyes but they were just his eyes yeah didn't understand that but fine and then there's the final operation where i don't know what it is they have they've worked out that this change can make them irrationally angry. So therefore, some fucking operation needs to happen in order for them to transition appropriately. And it's just this really, really long montage of people dying mm. in various ways that you don't quite understand how they're dying, but you know why. And their faces, so the ones who survived, their faces changing into the, what are they called from Prometheus? The engineers. engineers. You know, Dr. Manhattan they're changing into. And you're thinking, were you operating on their face to change them into this? Or did their face super quickly change because they were being operated on? Like, how does one's entire skeletal features change change so dramatically that you've lost the bridge of someone's nose? Yeah. And it's like, surely, because obviously they got injected with this new was it dna that yeah. they got surely that would have happened before well it that's the skin peely shit but the rest of it like it was just sped up because i think they ran out of fucking film time yeah and then there's oh and then the worst bit the bit i think that really wound me up was and i think we discussed this briefly before coming on air was after the transition the two surviving engineers let's call them that we're in this like glass case of emotion mm. and their respective partners turn up and the partners are told, oh, they're in their final formation. Now, how the fuck do you know that? This is a fucking first time experiment. Yeah. They're in their final formation and they can't talk. They communicate via such a low frequency that human ears can't pick it up and they, they talk via touch. But they can come home with you for two days before they go up to the moon. Why would you send very expensive... They're now equipment. Yeah. Back home to people who don't know them anymore. Who can't even fucking talk to them. And then murders happen. Yeah. And then you think this whole thing could have just been fucking avoided if you just kept them in this fucking glass case. Oh, but you see, they have to have some form of humanity and you also need a plot device for, like, violence. I mean, they could have just fought their way out. Yeah. It's an unnecessary film. There is literally no need for this film to exist. It was boring. It was bollocks. It was a waste of my fucking time. No, you know, my time's not that precious, but I could do without watching this bollocks. Mm. I it found was a waste my... of good people as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like people get to make films and it's kind of a privilege, I think. There are a lot of good filmmakers out there that do not get the funding that they need, mm. that they deserve, and they have great fucking ideas. Yet shit shows like this mm. get fucking... Oh, let me open up that checkbook for you. How much do you need? And it's like, fuck off. Let's let's start giving these people that actually deserve some fucking money for their projects. Give that fucking money to them. Mm. Let, let them do something original. Then this fucking overhash of so many other fucking films. It was so... Oh. It was just like a thousand and one other sci-fi films. Yeah. All smushed together. If this was done by the sci-fi channel... I probably wouldn't be so wound up. No, I I still would be. It just annoys me that we get to this point where, uh, I mean, I remember, was it Small Town Killers? Mm. Right, even though it was subtitled and I had to keep thinking a lot, <laughs> it was still a genuinely good film. And those films have to scrounge for funding. Yeah. And it was a really good premise. Maybe not totally original, but it was a nice new spin on something. Yeah. Whereas this, I mean, literally... They looked like fucking engineers after the transformation. No thought had gone into this. It was. It, like, after, they looked like that, but then it was the scene, the end scene, where he was on Titan the, Titan the moon, and it looked like that scene in The Watchmen where fucking Dr. Manhattan goes off to the fucking planet, and it's really bad CGI, mm. and he's looking out over the fucking world, being a big man, all naked. It's yeah. like that, because I was like, why is this character suddenly naked? Not Dr. Manhattan, this fucking homo titani, or whatever they were calling yeah. them. Why is he naked? You had clothes on him. 
how do you know he wants clothes? Have you given him the option? You can't communicate with this guy. Yeah. Oh, no, it is just it, all the tropes were there. The fucking big bad corporate who wants to make money because i think that was ultimately what it was because he did actually say this is our investment right, right, yeah, right, he right. wanted basically the no- the notoriety of becoming the first person to speed up evolution even though all he did was mutate mutate people into what was it there was a bat so you got bat wings you got gills like a fish mm. and then there was something other oh, fuck it was lizard skin i don't know yeah. it was all fucking shit it was like jurassic park what was the newest one whatever it was, fucking Jurassic Park, mum's bollocks. Yeah. It was that. And they had somehow successfully figured out how to make the Indominus Rex into a human. It was that kind of trash. Yeah. There are so many better films out there on the sci-fi channel. Just yeah. waste your time with that and say, don't, don't give your time to this piece Stay of shit. Stay away from this film. For the next episode, we are going to be looking at the Netflix exclusive, The Other Side of the Wind. This covers always some woman who's clean. He loses one, he finds another. We know his M.O., but what we don't know and what we'll never know sitting here is his motive, method, and opportunity. Oh, once and for all, forget this police academy nonsense. This is a terrorist. He doesn't think like a criminal. He wants to be a hero. And you want to treat him like some mugger on the streets? Get inside the man's head, damn it. Look, I understand that, but how do you expect me to understand that you're training us to be nothing but assassins? And the only difference between him and us will be the badge. Our review rewind this episode is Nighthawks, a 1981 crime thriller directed by Bruce Malmuth, starring Sly Stallone and Rutger Hauer, about two NYPD cops who join an anti-terrorist group to assist in catching a global terrorist. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's kind of, I guess, slightly apt, I don't know. It's very 80s. Even though it did feel <laughs> like the 70s. Well, it was 1981, you can still... Bell-bottoms yeah. are always allowed in the 80s, I think, for a period. You get a two-year grace period, I think. <laughs> um, I don't think Sly Stallone was ever letting them go. No. So, I need to get a couple of things off my chest about this film. Okay. One, the Rudger Hauer character in this, at, like when he's in London and the UK and all that, he fucking looked like Jeremy Corbyn, and I could not fucking shake that. See, I didn't see that. And now I see it. I just thought he looked like Noel Edmund. I kind of wish that I'd seen the Noel Edmund side because <laughs> that would have been slightly more amusing for me. But no, this film was literally just, for me, gritty Rocky, Hammy Lando and slightly violent Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> On the point of Rutger Hauer in the first, I think, half an hour, not even half an hour, 20 minutes of the film, I spent wondering if it truly was Rutger Hauer because I was like that's not Rutger Hauer but it is Rutger Hauer I don't know what young Rutger Hauer looks like maybe he did look really different maybe and really... he did look like Noel Edmonds <laughs> yeah I was really <laughs> fucking confused I was like he looks really old I don't understand and then the middle of the film happened and then he looked like Rutger Hauer and I was like ah oh, there he is and this was his first American film as well Rutger yes. Hauer's first American film so it's very interesting yes it's a very interesting take but going into the film, the opening scene is is a robbery Yeah. on what you think is an old woman and it ain't. It's... And I can ruin that because if you think it's an old woman, you need to go to Specsavers. <laughs> there is something about seeing Sylvester Stallone dressed up like an old woman because it was vaguely like Bo Selector. No, it was awful. And it was like a really bad sting and you're running up the stairs mm. and they were both just shouting, him and Billy did just, I mean, I'm surprised no one came out to be like, what's all this fucking racket? Yeah. I don't know how they did so well as cops considering all they did was fucking shout and annoy people. How were they still alive? It just shouted. I mean, some of my favourite scenes were just when they were shouting. Mm. Oh God, because there's that bit where they do that drug bust and like uh, it's a room full of people and a little kid and like Billy D. Williams has like a shotgun under some guy. She, oh, fuck, I can't. Well, this is what I don't understand. It was doing my nut, so I was really confused. Because they go and they bust. So it's a really long fucking scene where you watch them go find the building, climb up to the roof, climb down through the building to get to this flap mm. and then kick the door in oh stick up blah 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 it's the police blah 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 and then everyone's got their hands up including this kid and then this guy's like how much money do you want how much money do you want how much money do you want and Billy D's going yeah 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 and he's like how much money do you want yeah 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 and how much money do you want yeah 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 
yeah. And then next thing you know, he's got a fucking gun under his chin. And I'm like, he just offered you money, he's mate. He's offering you fucking money. I don't know why you're trying to blow his face off. I mean, obviously, like, all he had to say was, no, thank you. Yeah, no, I don't want your fucking money. I'm not a corrupt cop. Now, fuck off out the door. Not, and that's how Billy D's character just kind of dealt with everything, by just shouting at his problems. Yeah. Isn't that what we all do, though? No, it's not, No, actually. I wish I could shout more at my problems. I'd never stop. But, yeah, and then when he wasn't shouting, he was just muttering away. So yeah. there was a scene where they walk into the department store to go and... So Wesley Sloan wants to talk to his ex-wife. Yeah. And Billy Dee's just like, mutter, mutter, mutter. And I was like, oh, turn up the volume. Mutter, 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 mutter. Oh, you want to meet? Oh, what a mutter. I was like, who the fuck is the sound guy on this film? <laughs> who the fuck is the sound guy? I can't hear what he's saying. Sylvester Sloan's like, Sylvester Stallone. There's a security guard just staring at the both of them. I'm thinking, I laugh if you were just there for work. Yeah. You were just there for work. I think that security guy was everyone watching going, what the the fuck is going on it was just i just didn't believe that they were ever friends no they were friends because those who shout together stay together well clearly it's been working for yeah. them but it's just so much because it's all the shouting it all kind of weaves into the film it's like each point of the film you can pinpoint for when billy d williams and slice alone are fucking shouting there wasn't that much script. There wasn't that much talking. The only mm. person that really did the talking was Rutger Hauer's character because he loved the sound of his own voice. No, there was bits where Sly Stallone, when he was getting more character arc than anyone else. Oh, was that when he decided that actually maybe he doesn't need Billy D as a teammate and he can use his words mm. rather than his shouting? Yeah, there's that. <laughs> and it was in the briefing room because best way to describe Billy D. Williams and, and Sly Stallone's characters' eyes, they're narcotics. Don't know how they get that far in narcotics because usually when you work in narcotics, you have to have some form of stability and not so much shouty, but they managed to make it. Yep. And then they get drafted into this wholly new built anti-terrorist unit because apparently they're the best. And <laughs> I, I'm failing to see how they are the best because for me, the best are good cops. People that do the job, yeah. not shout it. Yeah. But anyways, so they join this anti-terrorist thing yeah and we learned that Sly Stallone is a good cop he can't take a shot even if you know one life for thousands but he can take the shot when he needs to because he'd had was it 56 kills 52 or 56 kills mm. in his army career whatever the fuck career he had beforehand yeah and then so the guy was like oh well, you can kill if necessary mm. so oh fuck oh yeah this was the ultimate cheese fest as far as that's concerned. It was a massive cheese fest. But I think it wasn't too tropey in the old 80s action film. No. It I mean, it's... like body cop film. It wasn't really because they, they were, were buddies. buddies. Because like, Sly dropped him Like a hard. hot turd. He was just like, we're going to do some work together, but you can go and fuck off in the bushes somewhere and I'm going to go and do all the hard leg work. Oh, God, because he all of a sudden went from... Obviously, when he first goes into the anti-terrorist unit, he's like, oh, there's certain things I can't do, blah, 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 blah. And then about half an hour later, he's super cut. <sighs> yeah, yeah, the whole thing. And, like, Billy Dee's like, yeah, I'm suddenly a fucking sniper. Yeah. Like, what? I thought there was training involved in all of these things. Not if you're them two. Well, I guess the whole point of the anti-terrorist group as well was to... So it was made by an English detective. That's correct. Who was like, well, we need to get American cops in on this, but American cops need to shed everything that they've been taught. And I'm thinking, like, English cops are fucking going to shoot to kill. Like, really? Well, that's why we have the SAS, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he should have just sent some of them over rather than fucking fanning about with Sylvester Stallone and Billy D all day. That is true. <laughs> I think the whole film you're meant to see in Evolution for Sly Stallone, it is a very Sly Stallone heavy film. Yeah, but that's because he had a hand in making it, so... That's true. So he goes from the man who can't take that shot if it means an innocent life is lost to... I mean, if he took the shot, then Billy Dee wouldn't have got cut. Yeah. And that said in the film, and you're thinking... I think there's worse that could have happened. Yeah. The turning point for Billy Dee's character is literally the cut to the face, which happens due to a kind of chase scene. No, oh, it's the uh, chase through the... Oh, I want to call it the underground, but that's not what it's called. The subway. The subway. subway. It's a ridiculous chase through the subway. 
I mean, it's like the thing is, this whole chase scene was set up because Sly Stallone, with his magic eraser, managed to figure out that Rutger Hauer changed his face. Oh, yeah, because Sly Stallone is an artist. Yes. In this film. The reason why we've gone for uh, We mentioned in the beginning that he looked like a cross between <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn and Noel Edmonds is because <laughs> he had prosthetics to change his face in the beginning of the film because there is a section in the film where he goes to a plastic surgeon and he's like, change my face, make me good looking, blah, blah, blah. And it actually just turns out that he turns into Rika Howard. He just gets his face. Yeah. But yeah, so Sly Stallone's been like sketching and rubbing off bits of yeah. this picture of because obviously face. the british guy only knows him as noel edmonds yeah so he doesn't know him as rudger howard yet but obviously because sliced alone is that fucking good with a, an eraser and his eyesight is that fucking good that he can tell that this guy has had plastic surgery to look different oh come on you saw those deirdre barlows he had on his face oh yeah i mean god it all goes back to cory doesn't it it's always, always <laughs> a barlow it's always a barlow in a film <laughs> it's just there's just a lot of stuff that you have to just allow Sylvester Stallone to have in this there's film. There's suspension of disbelief and then there's your walking the tightrope of reality. And yeah. I think that's what you do with this film. Because it is still a really... I don't want to say a classic film because there are better cop films out there. But this is an enjoyable film. This is his version of Heat. Yes. Um, but Heat did it better. Obviously. And it's, you know, Rutger Hauer was really good in this. Well, it, this film led to him getting Blade Runner, didn't it? Yeah. It is Rutger Hauer that makes the film for me. Yeah, definitely. If it was anyone else, I think... This would have been a shit film. Yeah, yeah. Because Billy D, I'd written him off in the first yeah. 10 minutes. I was like, I don't care about Shouty you. Man. Shouting away. And then Sylvester Stallone, as you Becoming know. Coming super cut. It's just yeah. there. The problem is, it's like there's loads of different things happening in this film. I mean, obviously, it's like you've got the club scene where we where Sylvester Stallone uses his magic powers to decipher that Rutger Howe has changed his face and that's who he is now, just mm. randomly. And you go on a bit further and it, he starts to notice how he thinks. Oh, yeah, he has to try and get into the brain of, the... of Rutger Howe's character. On the subway system, he, Rutger Howe takes a woman hostage and Sylvester Stallone cannot take the shot because there's an innocent there. And that leads to Billy D. Williams getting cut. And... Well, you know what? Billy D. could have took the shot. That is true. He also had a gun. It's not like he didn't have a fucking gun. That annoyed me, actually. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut in. No, no, no. You're just thinking, fucking right. Oh, you took the shot. And why is all this pressure on Slice? And you got a fucking gun. Your own face got cut. Yeah. Because you didn't take the shot either. Yeah. Because he you actually just had, had a good. He had a good view, and then he ran off. Yeah. And then he bitched about getting cut. Bitches get cut when they're bitches. Yeah. And then obviously because they let Rutger Howard get away, that led on to the next bit, which I believe was the was it the cable car. Oh, yeah, that extended, boring cable car scene. Where you actually thought he was going to kill a kid. Yeah. For a brief moment, you Did thought, you? For a brief moment, I thought, because it's Rutger Hauer. I and... mean, he has said he doesn't give a fuck, and in the first scene, he does. Mm. Well, no, he kills that woman. No, he kills a whole department store of people, including kids, they say, which is why his boss is not really wanting to work with him anymore, because they don't kill kids. Ah. Mm. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't give a fuck. Well, to be fair, it wasn't a kid. It was like a six-month-old baby. Yeah. And they had actually mentioned that he's accomplice at this one. Was it Shaka? Yeah. Who, where was she from? Oh, they did say. But by the time they'd said where she was from, I was really irritated by her because there was a scene in that actual scene where they're on this fucking cable cart and he, so Rutger Howard introduces Shaka as... This woman doesn't have any mothering instincts. And I thought, why is that fucking important? What does that matter? There's one child. What? what is she going to put a bullet what, in its the, brain? What, what the, the fuck do you yeah. think? Shut up. Like, mm. Rutger Hauer, man. Like, is that the first thing? He's like, surely you'd go to go, this is my dangerous friend who's just going to shoot you all to fuck because she's a nutter. Yeah. Is that not more scared to go, this woman doesn't give a fuck about children? Yeah. <laughs> In a train cuff in a cart full of adults. Yeah, one six-month-old baby. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. That was crying a lot. So half the adults there were saying, you know what, be just, nice for a quiet life. Yeah, yeah, there's a little hatch. Uh, they shoot that random woman who was just the wife of someone. The wife of a French diplomat. Yeah. And like that was kind of like the <gasps> ruthless bastard moment. But then he makes sure that Sliced Alone's character comes up and like just to say we're not so different you and yeah, i blah, so blah, 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 blah. at him for no reason and you're yeah. just thinking again the whole time i just thought you just shoot him 
shoot him in the face. Well, they were in a helicopter at one point. Yeah. And it was very clear to me that those were not glass windows. And I just thought, well... Take the shot. Take the shot. Someone Mm. take the shot. Yeah. Wolfgar. I should really actually start using the character name. Wolfgar puts his six-month-old baby into Stallone's arms and says, oh, you could drop the baby if you want, but don't drop the note. Yeah. Yeah, Wolfgar liked to have publicity. He was a fucking publicity whore. Yeah, because that's apparently what terrorists want is publicity. Yeah, that's So they were vying on that because the overarching thing was to try and disrupt or blow up this un meeting that was Mm. happening that just so he can get notoriety there was no other reason Mm. he didn't really have an agenda because he just wants to impress the world of terrorists yeah that's he wants the biggest swinging dick in the terrorist convention pretty much yeah it there is nothing more to his motivations at all yeah it's ridiculous so basically the minute he got his name in the news he asked for a bus and a was it a plane and release of i think other terrorists yeah, yeah. you know the usual terrorist bollocks yeah. and de silva has that like this cunning idea to fuck up his plans like it kind of the, works yeah and it and then billy d williams actually does something useful he takes a shot yeah he had more balls and shot shaka in the fucking face yeah but as with all films it all ends with the kind of showdown between oh Wolfgar. it wasn't a fucking showdown woman i refuse that to be a showdown all right the random potting sneaky potting sneaky <laughs> down <laughs> so between the silver and wolfgar so wolfgar finds the silver's ex-wife and is like well, i'm gonna go kill your ex-wife fuck you yeah sneaks into her house and i was intrigued by the way he snuck in because he's like he opened the door mm. he picked the door and then there's like the chain on the door and i thought well you're not getting in now are you and then he's just like rubby rubby rubber. rubby 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 oh i've managed to pull the chain off quietly i'm like i can't even open the door in my own house with that train going ching, 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 ching. yeah so okay you've managed to get in quietly you've got straight vision to this woman who is very clearly fucking about in the kitchen like she's not making anything at all she's not making a cup of tea she's not making a sandwich she's just going from one end of the kitchen to the other like literally just i'm pretending to wash up I'm pretending <laughs> to make a sandwich. It's ridiculous. And then rather than go straight in and just have her, because I don't know about you, but he's this terrorist guy. He has just slain people. Mercilessly. Mercilessly. He could just go in, and, f- and he's killed a lot of women as well in this film. Yes. He could just go in and fucking juke her to death. Like, I don't understand why he has to fucking creep around her living room, take the phone off the hook slide through some closed double doors to the other side of the kitchen, find a knife and then slide round. I mean, he could just choke her. Yeah, but that wouldn't <laughs> that would have ruined the surprise reveal. <sighs> Fuck it, I'm just gonna say it. You'll know what it is. You'll know what it is. Yeah. You'll know what it is a mile off because unless you've been living under a rock for thirty years, you'll know that it's actually Sylvester Stallone in drag again yeah this so this film tries to be really clever where it will put cues throughout the film and then something will happen but they do it so obviously so like the beginning where he's in drag mm. and you're like okay this he's is clearly gonna go somewhere because he likes to dress up so he likes to dress up to do his stings and then at the end you're like this is a lot of shitty pottering this is either a really bad badly acted scene or he's gonna come at him Oh, he's come at him. Yeah. He's got to take the wig off first, though, yeah. before he does anything. Oh, yeah. He's got to reveal that it is actually him, even though the beard was a dead fucking giveaway. And, the, and also, wasn't the gun in something as well? Like, it wasn't like he just had a gun. It was in bloody plastic. It was like he was in a bottle or a plastic bag. And I just thought, you're facing away from him. He can't see. That you have a gun. You could just have a gun and just shoot him. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And then Rutger Hauer's there with his little fucking knife and he's like, oh! And gets shot. And then he comes back at him and gets shot again. And then he goes flying out this door down the stairs. But I don't know how he flew out the door because the door was shut. Yep. And it opened inwards. But somehow he managed to get through the door and fall down the stairs. Yeah, without breaking the door. Without breaking the door or any glass. (laughs) I mean, he broke one bit of glass, but it wasn't the bit of glass that was in the other bit of door. Yeah. And then Sly Stone just comes and sits next to him and then the film ends. Yeah. Just abruptly, like, yeah. oh, he's dead. Film. <laughs> credits. Sit down. Credits. Intense music. Yeah. We didn't mention the intense music, actually. <gasps> oh. The intense Keith Emerson soundtrack of Emerson Lake and Palmer. Thank you for nothing. Yeah, this soundtrack. 
it just didn't work. So the scene where they were going up to the drug bust and they played this acid synthesizer jazz all the way up. Oh, God. And it was just like, this scene isn't that tense. It seems more like an inquisitive, what the fuck are they doing scene, but you're playing... And you're like, oh, just fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. I don't want to listen to this anymore. All the way through, it was just... It just distracted you from whatever was going on. I don't know what film Keith Emerson was watching when he was fucking trying to do music for it, but it was not this one. No. It was not the, he was not watching anything of this film. It's like someone Fuck gave him no. a general concept and he went, oh, it's all right, I've got this spare album. Yeah. You can have it. Yeah, yeah, here's a keyboard bit. Yeah. Fucking awful. Uh, so it gets less points for that. Right. But what points did it have? What's its on critic Metacritic, score? On Metacritic, it got the illustrious score of... 56. I would have given it like a 63. Why the three? I didn't want to give it a full five. But why beyond 60? I mean, I'm happy to just sit at 60. Give it the additional three, four. Rutger Hauer. Well, no, the 56 is Rutger Hauer. And then the three is for the hilarity of the shouting. Oh, God. (laughs) And that is it. Everything else, the music removes the rest of it. So you're docking points for the music. I'm docking points for the music and... You know, I can't argue with that. Billy's acting and Sylvester Stallone's glasses. (laughs) All get stopped. It's all gone. The Barlows. The Barlows. I can't disagree with you on that one. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to be objective on this, but no, that soundtrack was shit. Billy D. Williams can do better. And those fucking Barlows, man. It's really distracting. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what? Yeah, 60. 60. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Of course, now we have to pick the next one. Oh, are you going to do the honours? I will do the honours. Here we go again. I'm that. (laughs) I am terrified. I hope that it's something that I actually want to watch. But I'm also hoping it's not Conan because I ended up watching Conan the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so give it a little shake, give it a little Excited. (sighs) Please be good. Oh, God. What is it? What is it? Oh, no. It's Rain Man. (laughs) Let's have a look at that. Honestly, it's Rain Man. Can we get out of the 80s? No. So, for our next episode, our review rewind is going to be Rain Man. Whoop-de-doo. And that's it for episode six of Instant Junk. I'm Sam. And I'm Jill. See you later.